Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Changing Banking Landscape podcast, where we cover a broad range of topics from within finance and technology sectors. We unpack the elements of change and disruption, and we try and answer the important questions that face financial institutions today. These may be some of the same questions that you're asking yourself. My name is Shelby Torrance, and today we're discussing how to build a data-driven culture in banking. Banks have an enormous amount of customer data. They've got data around buying behavior, customer profile data. But unfortunately, due to an often siloed approach that's oriented around products, in many cases, they are not optimizing the value of these rich data sets. Some financial institutions have begun to use data to deliver compelling customer solutions. But can we see if they can take it to the next level of actually building a data-driven culture? Helping us address this today is Anil Sabu. Anil leads partnerships across the financial services industry at Google. He brings over 20 years of experience, having also previously worked at SAP and Oracle. Thanks so much for joining us today, Anil. Thank you. We also have with us in the studio Ilko Bonstra. Ilko is the managing director for Mambu, where he is working closely with customers like N26, Santander, ABM Amro, and Oak North, just to name a few. It's great to have you with us, Ilko. Glad to be here. Great. All right, we're going to go ahead and jump in. So when I hear data-driven culture, um, I don't think of a bank. <laughs> I quite often think of a tech company. And of course, you're both coming from tech companies. So if I'm a bank, if I'm a CEO in a bank, why would I care about building a data-driven culture? What would actually be in it for a financial institution? Anil, what do you think? Yeah, thanks, Shelby. I think that's a great question. And when I think about that, I really think that being data-driven is important not just for technology companies. I believe that it's actually important for all industries, uh, especially for banks, any industry in a competitive environment. So let me you know, dig into that a little bit. So fundamentally, there is an abundance of data and signal that, you know, that exists today. 90% of the data that exists today mm. you know, was really generated in the last two years. So there is an abundance of, of signal. Now, how do you actually extract that? And that's what is going to really impact how competitive you are in the market today. So we have seen that within Google by leveraging data by creating new products. Uh, we, have, we believe that for banks, being able to leverage this data, being able to address things like customer satisfaction, starting with the customer, can you qualify, can you quantify your customers? That's really gonna help create specific products that are solving for value, that are solving for friction, that are helping with speed to market. So, so what I see is that this is something that we consistently see across industries and in the current competitive uh, environment within the banking industry, this probably has become even more important. Okay. So you see it as really being about competitiveness and about profitability ultimately. 
Ilko, would you agree with that? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And I'd like to double tap on, on, on one part of that, uh, which is patience. If we look at customers today, there's less and less patience uh, to uh, more or less be, let's call it, uh, into some uh, product for a long time. So actually what that means is that as a, a bank, you cannot just push product and hope it is uh, adapted by uh, your customers. You actually need to, first of all, know what your customers want. So that needs, that needs let's call it, more data to be analyzed uh, from, from the what's called customer journey. But also the experience needs to be a lot easier. So the access to your product needs to be a lot easier from a, a customer's perspective to really keep them engaged. So your cycle of product release needs to be shorter. So also your creativity, let's call it uh, within your own group, needs to be a lot more intense. You need to really work uh, to keep engaged with your customers. So for big banks, for instance, they need to go to this technology mindset because that's the only way to change culture, first of all, to really keep your customers satisfied in the long run and really get their attention for all the new products that you need to at least keep their engagement. I can understand that. I think from the consumer perspective, I feel that um, having two or three different accounts across different banks, and and it does seem like there's a a wide difference in the type of experience that they're offering. And definitely, I have a preference of among those of the banks that I like to work with because they just, you know, they some of them make it really easy, and you know, and I reward that with more uh, with more loyalty. So I can see definitely the tie to satisfying your customers better. I think the challenge, though, for banks, of course, is changing organizational culture. Building a data-driven culture is challenging, and especially if we're talking about large multinational financial institutions. What are some of the key steps that they need to take to first build, but then also nurture and develop a data-driven culture? Uh, Anil, what what do you think? What would you recommend? Well, I think where you start is uh, it all starts with the customer. Right. So there is a combination of a top-down and bottoms-up approach that you can use, and it could be different things for different organizations. But fundamentally, if you start with the customer, that's kind of an anchor point from which you start looking at how you're able to learn more about customers. And clearly, when, when I talked about competitive advantage, you need to be able to do this faster than the competition. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to turn that learning into action. And you need to then have a feedback loop wherein you're getting new data and being able to adapt. But in terms of infusing that into the organizational culture and, and really getting the entire organization, you know, really rallying behind it, it does take a few, you know, it does take, you know, some leadership. Mm-hmm. It does take the ability to have you know, to really start sort of, you know, what, what a lot of statisticians would call in-market ex- experiments, leveraging the data, showing proof points, and building that confidence and getting the entire organization rallied around that. So I think those are a couple of different ways that you can really nurture that sort of culture and have and, and really permeate it across the organization. Ilko, is there anything you would add to that? 
Well, I, I would I would agree. I think the 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 biggest aspect is is changing the organizational culture. Um, if we look in in our industry where we serve both the banks but also the newcomers, what you see happening a lot is to to get a customer data driven organization uh, called customer data driven organization. You sometimes see the bigger banks spin out, uh, of course, an initiative outside their bank. Let's take ABN AMRO, uh, for instance. That's not just uh, to serve on a new platform. It's also to uh, really look at uh, how to embrace a new culture of data-driven organizing. So really make a, set up a new organization to check how uh, to compete against the techs, but also how to uh, initiate uh, something that you can transfer into the bigger organization. And so once that's successful, then you can adopt it in also the, the parent organization, for instance. I think that's a way around to really for a bigger corporation to look at, okay, how do I adopt? Or first of all, how do I create a data-driven organization? And then how do I adapt it to my parent organization? And then I agree with Anil, the biggest part, or at least a big part, is really to have a management uh, and a C-level drive to it that it is adopted. Because if it's not a, a drive from top down, it remains to be a, let's call it, niche in the organization. Okay. So it sounds like, in a sense, you're both saying that this isn't a big bang. It's not going to be something that you can do quickly. It's something you need to iterate either by starting small um, uh, with, a, with a speedboat or a spinoff uh, and build over time. Correct. Correct. And you mentioned also, Ilko, you mentioned sort of taking a top-down approach. And I have to say, I, I might be a little bit cynical, um, but sometimes when this happens, uh, I've seen maybe a sense that when management says, well, we need to drive a more data-driven culture, there becomes a little bit of a habit of maybe taking or or you start with what you believe and you have the data to support that mm -hmm. rather than starting from the data. So I guess I'm trying to understand really how can you actually make sure that when you're building a data-driven culture, that it's really an authentic culture that is built around the data and not just built around yeah. using data to support what people uh, already believe. Anil, do you, have you seen this happen and do you know how to tackle it? I quite honestly, I see this happening all the time, right? And this is, uh, this is probably one of the biggest challenges. It's human nature to sort of uh, act based on, you know, biases that have been built over time. And that's true for data as well. Mm -hmm. So this is a real challenge that, that banks have in that, especially if you're looking at a, you know, a top-down uh, culture, wherein you're literally looking for data and you're looking for signal that reinforces your e existing point of view or your biases. That's not going to really help create you know, a, a data-driven culture. In fact, you're probably going to uh, end up with a lot of employees within the organization that aren't just buying in simply because this is a very biased point of view. So I think in this case, it's really important to consider starting with a clean slate. And when I say that, I'm talking about the mindset here. Openness, it's easier said than done, but that's critical. What are some very practical ways of being able to address this? One is within the teams, right? Within management teams, within teams that are helping drive this data-driven culture within a bank or a financial institution, look for diversity of thought. So consider team composition to have different skills constituting the team. 
people coming from different cultures, from different mindsets, to be able to bring that different point of view and to be able to challenge that. Okay. The second thing I would say is that address the notion of risk of adverse consequences. So make it truly an open culture where people are allowed, make it a safe space where people are allowed to share their opinions and be able to challenge existing you know, uh, thoughts or you know, maybe there's a leader who has a particular point of view and be, being able to challenge that. I think that has worked extremely well at Google. We do have this notion of being able to challenge pretty much anything. And in fact, you know, during orientation, that's something that's really encouraged. Uh, not for the sake of challenging it, but more for the sake of getting things right. So I think that's how you address this concept of authenticity yeah. to be able to drive a true data-driven culture and not have this be a reflection of the thoughts or the biases of a few individuals within the organization. Okay, great. Anil, you're giving me a bit more confidence that this can really be done well. That's excellent. The model that Google has set is a great one. Ilko, have you seen this happen? And would you agree with Anil or, or do you think there's a different approach? I in the rough, I definitely agree because I, I feel the same also with, with, let's say, the background in analytics. We've seen in the past, let's call it decade, one thing really happened, and that is with the upcome of management information, with dashboarding and all of that, you did really see that people were really getting information to supply to a strategy. At least that's what we call it. And what does that mean? It means really that you create a dashboard to serve the need of that strategy. And that is exactly a different type of data strategy than being data-driven. That's just management data. That is something else than really operationalizing your organization around data. So, for instance, creating an AI, initially getting rough data, of course, but then creating an AI stream to optimize your products or, for instance, doing the A-B testing on how you launch your products and getting feedback from your customers. So, it is a different stream or a different reality today than a couple of years ago in the capabilities we have at hand to really use data and also to collect data. So there's also, in that sense, a different way that we should be looking at data. And also management should not just look at the, what's called management data, but really go down to the niches of their product, really get involved, get their hands dirty in that sense, and with their teams, look at, okay, what can data mean to us? Get that customer data, get that customer lifecycle data in the hands of the product teams, in the hands of the marketing slash business teams to really supply them with a better view of what the customer need is. Because it is the difference between push and pull. And I'd like to repeat that again, because if you keep pushing product instead of first identifying the pull from your customers, then definitely you're, you're missing the point with setting up a data-driven organization. You know... One thing that I can probably add to that, you know, as I as I think about this, we have uh, we have nine uh, different products that have more than a billion users. We've mm -hmm. been one of the most prolific users of machine learning, of artificial intelligence and machine learning on the planet, right? So we've been able to develop some fairly sophisticated models that are now being you know packaged and available to a lot of our customers uh, via Google Cloud. Mm -hmm. But what we've seen is a few very, very interesting things. And, and Elko, you talked about this, right? The data itself. So as we build these sophisticated models, what we've realized is that a lot of this actually depends 
on the data that's that's coming in so our ability to look at that data and have unbiased data yeah. really it will will is critical for us to get unbiased models right so that's that's such a critical part that we've seen over and over and now we've got you know we've devoted a significant amount of resources ux is driven by exactly how we can essentially look at ways to look at the raw data help sort of unbias it right because when everyone talks about data being the new oil the key is just like with oil the data is really very crude right so what you need to do is you need to have a refinery and the quality of that is going to impact what the end products are that you get out of it so i just wanted to re- to emphasize that specific point that elko had raised uh, when he just talked about it thank you that's a great analogy now that you've sort of laid the foundation and really explained well the importance of developing this data-driven culture across financial institutions, can you share with us some examples or some best practices that financial institutions should implement um, right now if they want to go ahead and really start building this strong data-driven mindset and culture? Anil, any ideas? Well, I think there's plenty of examples with, with some of the uh, neobanks and the challenger banks the digital banks i think there are plenty of examples in here i think a, you know probably a more recent example that i have which we quite recently announced was our launch of google pay in in the united states so in here if you think about it while it is a solution for customers to be able to connect with each other and really be essentially a center of of a lot of uh, different transactions that involve money i think the key to this is how we're leveraging data to be able to gain insights into customer behavior into how they connect with each other into what they should be expecting and be able to enrich their life so i think that's actually a great example of data being used in here where we've got thousands and millions of customers actually using that in practice but beyond that i think when you're looking at many of the neo banks the challenger banks i think they're doing an excellent job of being able to build new products that are relevant to customer engagement with the audiences that they're going after mm. and maybe elko can talk about some very specific examples absolutely anil i think it's a great point and if i look for instance in our customer base we have companies like n26 who of course come into a market that is dominated initially by the bigger banks and of course is creating there's room created for these companies but still it is a market where the cost plays a role and of course with a tight ship or running a tight ship and a part of that is being very data centric and only bring out unless the products that work with a very small install base of people there it becomes apparent that actually you need a data team you need analysts to have raw data at their hands instead of a big group of people why because you don't want to set up fraud detection in the way it was because it's very work intensive so you use ai you do not want to have a huge group of people doing the service uh, to do let's say all account holders but you use let's say the raw data for the creation of uh, customer service chatbots and there's a lot of these examples also within N26 where they are really using the new technologies to give the users the most initiative of let's say the most intuitive and also accessible experience 
of their platform, but also from a security aspect, uh, it is, again, data uh, that helps them create a better secure feeling for their customers as well. So to me, data, but also working with data and being very data-driven is not just a necessity from a customer experience point of view, but also from a cost point of view and from a business case point of view in that matter. Interesting. I also read that at N26, their data teams offer training for all employees in the company. So regardless of if you're on the legal marketing, they actually are are helping to make sure that all of the teams are taking a data-driven approach and they take the time to train them on it. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's really an initiative to to embed that data-driven culture within uh, the group. So once they grow uh, their teams, it is part of their DNA and a way to think uh, within the company. So I think that's a perfect example of how top-down, but in that sense also bottom-up, data-driven is being embedded uh, into the company. And it ties to what Anil was saying that at Google, you have it as part of the training to encourage people actually when they're coming in as new employees. So starting at that level, right. so everyone is is hearing that message from the beginning. That's true. And there's the other examples as well, right, where uh, you have the non-financial players that come into the financial space. So the players that were actually born into uh, being data-driven from the e-commerce side, who actually already uh, took the angle of uh, customer experience and really they're the demand side of of the business and collecting data, uh, that was more or less the way that they were making their money already. So if these companies enter the market, so the FSI market, for them, it's already a given that the data-driven culture is in. It is just applying it to a different arena. So it's easier for them to compete against these big giants because they are already on par with the technology. So we're now into the last month of the year of a very difficult year um, for most of us around the world. And we're now starting to look towards 2021, hopefully looking towards a quickly moving into post-COVID world in the beginning of 2021. Do you see for the coming year a greater emphasis on data-driven mindsets? Is this going to be important for us in the coming year? Anil, what do you think? I think it's even more important. And let me give you my opinion on why I think it's, uh, it's even more important. So I do believe more than ever that this is being data-driven is critical to being competitive uh, going forward. With COVID, what has happened is profitability has been challenged. Solvency across a number of industries, including within the banking industry, is a real challenge uh, for a lot of these organizations. Then when you add to that, you know, the loosening of monetary policy across the globe, that has created additional challenges for banks with their, you know, with their basic business model. So their ability to be able to find new revenue streams with, again, with a set of customers that, you know, they have significant amount of competition for, that's absolutely critical. And how can they make sure that these products and services that they sell are appropriate Essentially, they're based on signal that they've been able to, you know, really uh, extract from the abundant data that, uh, you know, that that's available and be able to provide that in a very timely fashion, right? That's absolutely critical. They need to be able to have the right set of metrics 
that's going to shape their behavior, that's ultimately going to help them build out these new products and solutions targeting these customers. So now I believe more than ever, being able to understand that data, being able to do that faster than anyone else, being able to translate that into action and ultimately create these new products and services and being able to you know, adapt very quickly as these things change with switching costs being as low as they've ever been in the banking industry. Uh, I think those are going to be absolutely critical for not just the profitability, but I would say the solvency of uh, of banks going forward. Right. Ilko, what's your thoughts for 2021? Yeah, I, uh, of course, I don't want to repeat Anil, but I fully agree with him, especially the aspect that it touches all businesses, especially with COVID today, is reality. So uh, something that uh, Anil touched on earlier is that a lot of the data has been created in only the past few years, and actually so has the technology to tap into that data, which means that a lot of the bigger companies haven't tapped into that technology yet because their processes, uh, but also their uh, the fact that they've been a, a monolith in their industry a lot of times uh, have not allowed them to to open up to everything yet. Uh, so it's been in, in, let's say, in niches of their organization. So one of the biggest challenges uh, that lies ahead is, is for the bigger companies to really embrace that technology and start breeding uh, an, a new spirit of using it as well. And Another sentence that really stuck by me from Anil is that data is the new oil of tomorrow in that sense. And COVID has expedited the production of this oil, but also uh, generated higher demand. And what I mean with generated higher demand is really that uh, since people are, well, they're actually just more dependent on technology simply because they can't meet each other in person. Uh, The economy has changed to that. So Everything is being done at a distance. So digital and digital platforms are an essence, uh, let's say a means of communication, but also means of buying, and there's data being created. So that demand is higher as well. So for those companies that aren't, let's say, into the data yet, it's definitely time to get their hands greasy. <laughs> okay, well, that's a good note for us to um, to end on. Let's, um, yeah, I just thank you both, Anil and Ilko, for joining us. My name is Shelby Torrance. I've been grateful to be here with you guys and have you share your thoughts and insights with us today. Thanks to our audience for listening. Please, everyone, remember to visit our official podcast webpage, podcast.mambu.com. And please join in the conversation. We'd love to hear your comments or questions. You can post them to the podcast page. And please don't forget to subscribe so that we can let you know when our next episode will be ready. Until that next episode, goodbye for now. Thank you. Thank you.